following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. On this episode, we've got Hendersonville coach James Beasley joining the show, as well as beach head coach Anthony Crabtree and Pope Prep head coach Justin Geisinger. We've got a Player of the Week segment, picks, and much more. This is Coach Beak with Brady and Zach covering Montgomery and Sumner County football. Here are your hosts, Brady McAtemney and Zach Womble. Brady. It's our time to name our Player of the Week this week for Coach B. I know, unfortunately, you don't have a Player of the Week as all of your schools are um, out of the playoffs. But nevertheless, we still want to highlight uh, a Sumner County Player of the Week. And actually, since you don't have a player this week, I'm going to honor two, uh, both from the same game. I'll do one from the losing team and then one from the winning team. Uh, I, of course, covered Gallatin uh, at Hendersonville for the rivalry 66th meeting. Um 28 nothing win for Hendersonville. It wasn't really all that close. You know, they shot themselves in the foot early uh, to, to thwart a couple scores, but they were able to eventually get a 58-yard screen to Torrin Baker into the end zone for the first score. Then it kind of just – it rolled after that. So, uh, for Gallatin, though, I mean, there wasn't a lot to choose from. You only had 120 yards of total offense, um, you know, between the, between the entire team. You didn't do a ton of great things on defense. Uh, but Jaheim Merriweather, their running back – he closed out the loss with 16 carries for 58 yards. So uh, he was really their only bright spot on offense. Gallatin was, or Merriweather was for Gallatin. Um, and he's kind of came on at the end of this season and, and looks to make uh, some great strides uh, this offseason going into his junior year. I know particularly on the recruiting trail as he, as he's already got an offer from Ole Miss. So I'm excited to see kind of, you know, what he does, what they do with him this offseason. He's a 6'3", 180 pound kid. If they, Want to put 15, 20 pounds of muscle on him in the offseason, kind of what they want to do. So, uh, Jaheim Merriweather was the only bright spot for Gallatin in their loss. Um, but like I said, was kind of a bright spot at the end of the season for the Green Wave. And then looking on the winning side, you've got senior Luke Manning, who, I mean, essentially led Hendersonville up and down the field all night long. You know, I, I know there was a couple drives that, that, that kind of ended with, with mistakes, but, you know, he finished nine of 14 with 124 yards. And a touchdown and a win, and you know you could have gone with Torrin or you could have gone with Ellis, but I just think Luke did a really good job of managing their offense Friday night in the victory. Yeah, you know when you're a team like Hendersonville and you got that many weapons to manage, I feel like it could be easy to get overwhelmed or you know almost just take it easy because like oh you know what like these players around me they're so good like I don't I don't need to you know I don't need to do too much like but I feel like uh you know uh, Luke Manning just really fits that offense very well um he, he seems like a very mature player and uh you know doesn't necessarily try to do too much but does the right thing and keeps his guys involved and gets the ball in his playmakers hands safely yeah I, I mean uh, listen I don't I don't want to put out any jinx or anything out there but it, Luke does a really good job like you said of managing the offense he knows who to get the ball to when to get it to him. He knows when to take the check down, when to maybe make the big throw down the field. So he's just a good he's just good manager of that offense. So uh, Luke Manning and Jaheim Merriweather are players of the week this week for Coach Peak. Up next on the Coach Peak podcast is Hendersonville head coach James Beasley, who joins us following their 28 to nothing win over Gallatin in the second round. And, of course, they've got a massive matchup with Crosstown Rival Beach this Friday night in the quarterfinal round. Coach Beasley, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing good. Just uh, happy to still be playing uh, this week. So, 
Yeah, that's right. And uh, you know what? Your field looked pretty good for 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 dead grass. That that looked pretty good. The TriStar was a nice touch. Who, whose idea was it to add that? <laughs> well, it's actually um, one of our alumni players who played here, um, named Caleb Waters, and and he comes out here and been helping us paint the field, and it was his idea. So um, we put it on there, and seems like everybody uh, around here seemed to seem to like it and think it looks pretty good. So. We stuck with it, it. It does look good. It does look very good. And, and also the end zones are a little different. Sometimes you do the diamond. Sometimes you do a little bit different design. But this this week, the last couple of weeks, excuse me, you've had the uh, horizontal lines. Any any reason why you, you chose to go with a different design in the end zones? No, we just try to do uh, things that, um, you know, our fans may like and, and, and look look nice for everybody to see. So no, no real reasoning behind that, just uh, something – we decided to do, and uh, once we put it in there, you know, probably gonna have to stay with it for a little bit. So there, we, well, there you go. Well, it's probably it's definitely one of the uh, top brown fields in all of Sumner County. I can I can uh, I can say that. Listen, anytime you're playing on brown grass, that means you've had a good season, Coach. Um, just you know, getting back to this point into a game, playing another another meaningful game in the playoffs. Just how have you been able to come in and create your culture so quickly just in, in three years for, for the Commandos? I don't think this is my culture. It's our players' culture first and foremost. And, you know, it, it, it was just something that was kind of set in here. And like, like I've, I, I've told you before um, that, um, you know, Coach Hatfield, Coach Laster, those guys coached me and was here, uh, I coached with, uh, Coach Hatfield for a long time, and and a lot of the coaches we have back with us now either played for or coached with or under Coach Hatfield. Um, so just just the work ethic that our coaches put in, I think it bleeds over to our players, and uh, our players do everything like they're supposed to do, and and uh, they go out there and play hard and and um, you know work hard in the classroom, work hard in in all aspects of their life, and and uh, trying to trying to become good young men. And we think that all of that kind of helps us to become, um, to have some success on, on game night. Coach, you're obviously playing in a, in a massive matchup this Friday night, a chance to get into the semifinal round. Uh, but it's against a team, against a school that, that your guys, that your kids know so well uh, in, in Beach High School. So I'm wondering how hard has it been or how do you teeter that fine line of, treating this just like any other game well you know this is the quarterfinal round of the playoffs so obviously it doesn't matter who you're playing you're going to be excited and and that's what we're telling our players um you know earlier matchups earlier games common opponent scores those things don't matter when it comes friday night and it's time to kick off um we got to be prepared we got to be ready to play and play at a high level um i know that they'll they'll be excited and ready to play our opponent they're going to come over here and 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 you know have some intensity and and be amped up and we got to match that and we got to we got to relax and and play football the way that uh, we're coached to play football you've already got two wins over your oldest rival in Gallatin this year now you get a chance to get a second win over maybe one of your newer rivals this season. How, do you allow your guys to think about or talk about how special this season could be just when you throw on top of those those aspects that you're able to get not just one win over your two biggest rivals but possibly two wins? Well, the main thing we focus on is, is where where we are. 
um, and trying to stay focused on where we are in the moment and enjoy these moments because, you know, they go away so fast. So, you know, last week we stay focused on last week. In the first round of the playoffs, we stay focused on the first round of the playoffs. So it's the same thing this week that, you know, when, when everything's said and done and, and the season's over and, and ended and everybody gets a chance to, to look back at it, we'll, we'll enjoy and, and maybe, you know, look back and reflect on some of those things. But right now we're still in it. So uh, we need to stay uh, where our feet are and, and just stay locked in on the task at hand. And that's uh, trying to play well on this Friday night. You know, Beach is a is a very talented football team. I'm, I'm not telling you something that you don't already know. Um, but when you look at guys like Andrew Page and Jackson Long and Aaron Jolly and their quarterback Jackson Ford, and you know that they can sling the football all over the field. I'm curious how how do you how do you make how do you equalize that that um, maybe disparity of of talent? Because I think you would agree that you know those guys are, are pretty special players. Absolutely. I mean, those guys um, are tough to uh, defend and, and tough to play against, and <clears throat> they can do all kinds of things. So, what we do is just try to limit the, the their their abilities to to make big plays on us and, and, you know, tackle well when they get it. Cause we, we know that, you know, they're so good that they're going to make some plays at certain times and, and going to create some adversity for our players. And hopefully we've been through that enough throughout the year that, you know, we can respond to it appropriately and, uh, and play the way we're taught. But yeah, when you look at all that and you talk about it, the way you talked about, like, you know, it, it's, it's hard to take away everybody from a team that's got so many weapons uh, on on their on the field all the time. So um, the main thing we want to do is just try to play tough, hard nosed football, come off and 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 not allow them to have um, too many explosive plays on us. I want to go back to your your win over Gallatin because um, you guys didn't start out strong, right? I mean, you, you shot yourself in the foot a couple times, but then you were able to kind of get going with that screen pass to Tor. And I guess how important was was that? Um, for just the the rest of the game, and were you able to talk to your guys just about the slow start and how you can't do that this week? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we had so many mistakes that it, it really put us in a hole and a, and a bind in a lot of a lot of different areas. And you know, we gave them the ball at um, great field position several times. Our kids responded, you know, and and played well. So that's that's a positive there. But you don't want to put yourself in those situations. So. We can't turn the ball over. We can't have penalties, and we can't we can't leave points out there on the board. Um, so, you know, there was two times in their territory we turned the ball over to them uh, where it looked like we may be able to come up with points, and we get down there and, and can't capitalize uh, early on after we we drove it down there the first time. Come away with zero points. So those things are we we got to correct those moving forward, and and you know especially this week. But it doesn't matter who we're playing against. We we can't do those things and expect to get great results all the time. So we've been working on that hard, trying to eliminate our mistakes, uh, trying not to you know obviously turn the ball over the way we did and um, capitalize whenever our opponents uh, make any mistakes. Uh, are the things that that we know are critical and and we've been talking about and yeah if we if we received the opening kickoff we want to have the ball after that and and we didn't do that um, last week so I know in in uh, our opponents came last week they were able to to get a couple of those themselves that went in their favor and that that always creates a huge momentum swing so we're going to try not to let that happen this week and hopefully our players uh, listen and understand and are ready.
Perfect, Coach. Well, listen, hey, that's all I got for you today. Best of luck in prep this week, and best of luck on Friday night. I'll see you on the sidelines. And I know, fans, if if you want to be in attendance for that game, you should probably get there a little early because I, I know it's going to be jam-packed, and I'm already planning on parking at the, uh, the Kroger across the street and making my way over because I just think it's going to be a fun atmosphere, a fun Friday night. So, Beasley, appreciate your time again, and, and best of luck this week in prep. Absolutely. We'd love to see everybody come out. It'll be exciting, exciting night for uh, high school football right here in Memorial Stadium. That's right. And, and uh, you know, if you guys get the win, you get to be home again next week. So a lot on the line this Friday night for the Hendersonville Commandos. Yes, sir. Thank you. Up next on Coach Speak is Beach Head Coach Anthony Crabtree, who joins the show after winners over Clarksville in their second-round matchup. Got a big matchup this Friday night against Crosstown rival Hendersonville. Coach Crabtree, thanks so much for jumping in with us today. Yeah, Zach, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So, you know, let's let's dive right into the elephant in the room here. This is the second meeting uh, with against the Commandos this season. Obviously, they were able to walk away victors uh, the first go around. So, what can you learn as a staff, as a team from from that first meeting? Well, obviously, first thing is, you know, we know that we have to play better than we played the first time to, you know, have a chance to win this week. Uh, they have a really good football team. They got three or four guys that are special. Um, you know, got a great coaching staff. They do an excellent job coaching those guys. Um, you know, we didn't play very well, and, you know, some of that had to do with them and the way they played. Um, but I think we're a little bit different football team now. I think we're a little more mature. We have a little more experience. Um, we've settled on a quarterback um, since that game. Um, hopefully, you know, we know that we can't come out and turn the ball over and play like we did the first quarter last week against Clarksville and have a chance to win. Um, we're going to have to play extremely well and uh, hope that they do some things wrong um, to help us out a little bit. Um, but we're going to go in and, and uh, give it our best shot and uh, try to have a good game plan together and, you know, see if our guys can, can have a chance to win. Uh, that game seems like forever ago at, at this point. I think all the way back on September third when you guys when you guys played. Uh, I know you guys were working through some some stuff on like particularly the offensive and defensive line. How much has has that unit improved since then? And and does it just give you a little bit more confidence heading in, knowing that they're probably a little bit better than they were nearly two months ago? Yeah, I mean, we have a little more confidence. Um, you know, like I said, we're more experienced now than we were then. Um, but, you know, they're not the same football team either. Um, you know, they've gotten better as the season went on. Um, but I feel like we, we have got we, – we are, I think, much improved. Um, you know, sometimes when you play, the people you're playing against has a whole lot to do with how you play. Um, when you play a really good football team, sometimes they make you look like you're not very good. Um, and, you know, I think they're a really good football team. So – we are going to have to play well just to have a chance. Um, you know, we're going to have to minimize turnovers, um, time of possession for them. Um, you know, we're going to have to play really well on defense, tackle well, try not to give up the big play. Um, you know, but those are just things that happen every week. And, uh, you know, they're, they're like I said, they, they are playing the same people. We're playing a few different people uh, than we were early, uh, doing a few things differently on offense. Um, so hopefully it'll be a good football game. 
you know, so many people want to to um, to scout Ellis, and rightfully so, number 10 for Hendersonville. And, and you mentioned at the top of the show they have a, a few guys that can make you pay. But I, I don't think anyone has burst onto the scene more so for Hendersonville than, than number 25 this year, Torin Baker. I, I'm curious, when you've watched film on them, what have you seen from number 25 that, that has allowed him to kind of take advantage of the opportunities given to him? Well, he's just a really good athlete. He's fast. He's tough. Um, you know, he's good with the ball in his hands. He's good without the ball in his hands. Um, so trying to defend, um, you know, those two guys plus the quarterback throwing the ball. Um, number 88 at tight end is a good player. Um, and then they rotate some guys at the, the fullback spot. Um you know, so they, they have a good crew of running backs. Their quarterback does a great job of, of managing the game and making plays and, you know, getting people in position. He's just he, – he does a great job. And offensively, they have a lot of weapons, and uh, that makes them hard to defend. Uh, you know, you you go back. You you mentioned that you settle on a quarterback now, Jackson Ford, who has taken over. I'm curious, you know, you, you do mention the quarterback that Hendersonville has, and you have to figure out a way to, to – come up with a defensive game plan against him how much does having a quarterback like Jackson in practice help that preparation well I don't know you know that that I mean they're totally different in size uh you know one's what 511 the other one's 66 right bro the ball and arm strength um you know they may be similar in that uh Jackson has a really strong arm um Luke just does a really good job of um you know, throwing the ball to the right spot, finding the guys that are open, you know, knowing where to look. He just makes plays. Um, and so that's that's hard to mimic sometimes with your scout team um, in practice, uh, what they do in general. You know, being wing T and that's not what we are offensively um, is hard to mimic in practice. So you always have those issues with your scout team uh, when you're playing someone who does something totally different than what you do offensively or defensively. Looking at your 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 group of receivers here, Coach, you know you got 88 receptions on the season. I don't know where that ranks uh, as far as just like the most in a season or, or wherever, but you got three guys with over 20 catches, and everybody kind of knew about Andrew Page and Jackson Long coming into the season. I mean, they're they're well recruited and, and rightfully so. I mean, they're very talented playmakers. Uh, but I'm looking at a guy like Aaron Jolly, number nine on the outside, 22 catches, 422 yards. Uh, how much has he surprised you this year just coming on the way that he has to be that third threat for you guys? Well, we knew in the past that, you know, last year that, that uh, Aaron was talented, but he, um, you know, he just didn't find his groove last year as much as he has this year. Um, he's been a pleasant surprise. He's really developed. Um, you know, he has a great attitude, a great team player, uh, you know, whether he gets – one target or, or five targets, you know, he's happy to have an opportunity to touch the ball. And then when he doesn't, uh, you know, he tries to do a great job of blocking for his teammates. Um, so he has been a pleasant surprise. Uh, so we're, you know, we're excited about all three of those guys. And hopefully uh, maybe we can put something together and, and keep dispersing the ball to them Friday night like we have in the past couple of weeks. I know I've asked you this uh, several times over the years, Crabtree, but it's always interesting your answer. But, you know, Beach is no stranger to playing important games, important playoff games in November. So I'm just curious, how year in and year out, how do you get these guys to buy in to, to your message? And, and just how important is it making it to the quarterfinals for your culture? 
Well, I think the more opportunities you have to play in these games, the more your kids um, learn how to handle these situations, and it helps develop the expectations within your program of getting to this point every year. Um, you know, for whatever reason, our kids, you know, they believe in what we do. Um, you know, we don't change the way we do things tremendously from, you know, January to December every year. It's kind of the same type thing. Um, you know, we're, we're a nuts and bolts kind of program. You know, we're going to get in there in the weight room and starting in January and, you know, we're going to get after it and start trying to develop physically. And, uh, you know, when it comes time to have spring practice, we'll work football and, you know, try to try to develop their football skills. And, you know, I just think we just consistent, keep things consistent within our program is probably what helps develop our culture as much as anything. Uh, I noticed that Patrick Hill was able to lace him up on Friday and play against Clarksville. You know, I know he's been hurt playing with uh, some nagging injuries along the way, but just getting him back, what does that do for your offense? Well, when he's healthy, um, you know, and he runs the ball hard, it makes a tremendous difference um, for us offensively. Um, so right now, you know, we're not sure what his status is for this Friday night. We're going to try to figure that out today and tomorrow in practice. And uh, we'll try to go from there. Hopefully, you know, hopefully he'll be full speed and uh, and that'll be a, a definite uh, advantage for us and our offense to have him in the game. You know, you you mentioned, Coach. You mentioned ball control and and keeping keeping the ball out of out of Hendersonville's hands and limiting their opportunities. How, how do you how do you teeter that fine line of doing that, but also getting the ball on the outside to your playmakers like an Andrew Page or a Jackson Long or an Aaron Jolly? Well, I think that's uh, you know definitely somewhat of a, a tough job. You know, you have to try to make sure in your play calling that you are doing a good job of mixing it up and you're you know, throwing high percentage uh, completion pass plays um, and then, you know, picking and choosing when you run the ball and when you throw the ball short versus throwing the ball deep and, you know, all those kinds of things. We It's it's kind of hard to do that. You know, if you throw the ball and it's incomplete, you stop the clock. Um, you know, we need the clock to run as much as possible on Friday night. So, um, you know, we're going to have to do a good job of throwing and catching the football. Very good. Well, Coach, I know it's going to be a fun atmosphere Friday night. And fans, if you are planning on attending, I suggest that you show up early. I know I'll be parking at the uh, at the Kroger across the street because I'm sure the crowds will be full. Coach Crabtree, thanks so much for joining us today, and best of luck in prep and uh, on Friday night. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Welcoming into the show today is Pope John Paul II head coach Justin Geisinger joining us after a huge win last week on the road to get into the semifinals round. Coach Geis, I'd imagine you're feeling pretty good today on a Tuesday, but just thanks so much for, for joining us and how you feeling? Oh, feeling great. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's uh, <clears throat> certainly certainly a good feeling to be playing a week out from Thanksgiving. You know, it's certainly a new thing for for our program and for our school, um, but uh, definitely a lot of excitement around the building. Yeah, so let's dive right into that. Um, Southard, Andrew Southard puts the kick through to send you guys into the semifinal round. You know, this is a this is a goal that you guys have been working for toward for a long time, and to finally realize that goal and to and to wake up on Saturday morning knowing that that it is truth and that it's going to happen. I mean, what does that mean for your program? Just what were, what was that night like and, and that bus ride back home? Um, it was, you know, it was great. It was exciting. You know, our guys, um, you know, it's kind of been a long time coming for our school and our program. And, 
you know, we've been talking about this for years with you specifically about, you know, um, how we were building this program. And we wanted to make sure we were building it, you know, organically um, from the ground up and not microwaving anything because we don't believe that's, you know, as a staff here, that that's something that you can do and sustain as far as the way we want to do it, you know, run a program and the way, you know, we want our kids bought in. Um, so it, it really wasn't and it never will be and it hasn't been about the wins and losses and just checking boxes about winning certain games. It's been about um, our process uh, for our kids to be the best versions of themselves, to be, you know, the best in the classroom, the best, you know, the best sons they can be, the best friends they can be, the best students they can be. Um, and, and, and we feel like, you know, the way we approach that, that piece of our program really gives us an edge because you know, everybody knows in Division II AAA, really just in the state of Tennessee in general, but in particular this conference, how good the talent is, how good the coaching is. So, you know, we wanted to build a program, a way that we believed gave us an edge and a way that we believed, you know, uh, it was the right way to, to build young men. And, and I think it's, 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 it's shown now for several years as we continue to build it. And I think that win uh, on Friday night continues to show where it's going. You guys got behind early 14 to three. I'm curious, did you notice when the flip switch for your team, when they were able to kind of lock in and, and, you know, get that, obviously then you get a field goal to make it 14, six, and then you tie it up at 14. I'm just curious, was there a moment that you remember during that game that, uh, that you noticed it clicked for your guys? I don't know if there is one. I mean, there are several, obviously momentum swings in that game. I think, um, but that's what we've been preaching to our kids. I mean, especially going into this week, we've talked about, uh, um, you know, how there are going to be stones in the road throughout the game. And it was going to be each guy's responsibility to move those stones out of the way, whatever it took. And if it was the same guy having to move the same stone three times, so be it. If it was other guys having to jump in and do it, so be it. Um, because, you know, everyone was going to have each other's back in those situations. And you never know in, in football games, really in sports in general, but in football, you know, kind of kind of when those momentum swings are to come or when that play uh, opportunity is going to come to make that play to kind of help swing the momentum back in our favor. Um, and our kids have kind of bought into that and, you know, understand that when you play good football teams, especially when you're in the quarterfinals and as you move through uh, in this league, that they're going to make their plays too. They're going to have their – you know, there are times when the momentum's on their side and we just got to keep keep to our process and keep keep true to our plan. And um, and uh, our kids are doing a better job dealing with adversity than they ever have. So that's a big piece of it. But I don't know if there's any one player or, or, or another, but I think our guys just kept their nose to the grindstone and, and kind of held true to what, what our plan was. Justin, a lot of coaches will say that um... – Winning is a mindset, something that you guys have to believe that you can do before really truly doing it. Obviously, with this really being uh, one of the better seasons in uh, Pope Prep football history, do you feel that your guys have developed that mindset, that winning mindset, that championship mindset throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, the mindset's a great term because we use that all the time um, with, with our kids. Like I said, I mean that 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 mindset of what we're talking about um, and working our process and being at a, being our best. Um, is 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 absolutely a, a large part of it, and um, we just talked about this in our in our team meetings yesterday um, about how you know w- one thing we wanted to strive for was working to be at our best mindset come November, you know, and it was a process since we started back in spring practice in May, you know, all the way now till till we're hitting mid November, 
Um, we wanted to be at our best come this point in the season, and, and we feel like this year we, we are at that, I think, from a mindset standpoint. You know, I think our guys um, believe. They believe in one another. They believe that, you know, if they, if, they, if they band together and understand they don't have to put it all on their shoulders, but if they help carry each other's crosses and, and help help each other um, throughout this whole process, that, that, that we're able to compete with anybody in the state. And um, absolutely, it's been a mindset. And absolutely, I think our mindset's better than it's ever been. But, like, but that's been a work in progress over the past several years. And I think we've just continued to get better and better in that area. Speaking of being at your best, playing at your best, um, you're going to need your best Friday night when you go on the road to visit um, the Macaulay School, a team that you played back on October 29th, so not that long ago. Uh, you know, if you look at the box score, I think the, the the second quarter probably tells you everything that you need to know about that yeah. game. But I'm, I'm curious, when you go back and you watch that film, a, well, A, do you watch that film? And B, if you do, what do you what do you try to learn from that from that game? Yeah, well, I mean, they're the number one team in the state for for a reason, right? I mean, they um, they're, they're defending, you know, two time state champions for a reason, and and all those things, right? And our kids know that, um, and they know. And you know, if you look just back this past week at the, the Brownwood Academy game, while we we did some really good things, and obviously, like we already talked about, dealt with adversity in a lot of good ways. We also made a lot of mistakes. There were penalties early in that game that that cost us, uh, you know, drives where we had to kick field goals instead of touchdowns, and you know, there were certain things in that game. There were some some technique errors and there were some mental errors and some things still that obviously when you're playing a Macaulay team coming up this week that you can't do. You know, we're going to have to play four clean quarters of football. We told our kids, it doesn't have to be perfect quarters. And I mean, we're never going to play, no one's ever going to play perfect football. But um, but they need to be clean and they need to be, uh, you know, um, you know, probably be our cleanest game that we played this season in order to give ourselves a chance in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, when you look at our last game, absolutely. I think we refer back to our last game because, like you said, the second quarter tells you a lot. You know, the first quarter, we were kind of in it. In quarter, the wheels kind of fell off. We challenged our kids at halftime, um, and we came out, and I think it was a 24-21 to 21 second half in our favor, you know, still against the same guys. So it shows you if we play, you know, clean, good football and play our, our, our style of football and uh, put it all together that, that, that we can give ourselves a chance to compete even against the best team in the state. Um, but it's going to take, it's going to take, you know, us putting all those pieces together and, and aligning, lining everything as far as our mindset, as far as our physical play, as far as um, eliminating penalties and mistakes and, 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 and our playmakers stepping up and making big plays and opportune times. So we're going to have to have all those things kind of come together and happen um, in order to, to, to compete. And like I said, give our Chelsea, give ourselves a chance to hang around in the fourth quarter and, and, and who knows, but um, there's no doubt it's, it's going to be a big test and a big challenge. And everybody knows who McCauley is. With, uh, you know, obviously you guys are no stranger to long road trips. I'm just curious what your what your itinerary is going to look like on Friday. If you plan on getting down there early, getting the legs stretched, I mean, how, how are you going to approach that game, that game day? Uh, we're going to, you know, just like our, our mission, our process states, we're going to treat this like any other week, um, you know, and, and I'm already a coach then a lot of my staff give me a hard time for it. We get places real early as it is, but that's <laughs> just kind of my makeup. Um but we'll leave, you know, we'll leave, uh, we'll get them out of school early and, and they'll leave and, we'll, you know, we'll grab a snack before we get get on the bus. Um, we'll attend we'll chapel uh, with uh, with uh, Pete Rogers, one of our 
one of our faculty here that leads us in chapel and we'll load up the buses and head down and we'll stop stop outside of Chattanooga to eat and um, do our team meetings. We'll do our run our team meetings on our buses outside before we eat and kind of have an informal meeting session there. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll eat and, and, and head the rest of the way down to Macaulay, get there plenty early to unload and kind of walk the field and, and, and go through our pregame, pregame checks and routines and, and we'll get ready to gear it up. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, but, but yeah, we'll, we'll keep our routine pretty consistent with our out of, out of town visits and tr- try not to try not to make it much different than, um, um, you know, how we've done things in the past. Coach, before we get you out of here, I've got to ask about uh, maybe your most coveted prospect in your team. And, that, and that's Kenny Minchie, a Mr. Football final, or excuse me, semifinalist so far. Uh, you know, he's only a junior and, you know, he just got his, he just got his, um, his feet wet, if you will, last year. So he really hasn't played a ton of football. I'm curious what kind of progression you've seen from him over the course of the season that has ultimately led you to this game and, and what you could maybe see from him Friday night that could potentially get you over the hump and into the state championship game. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody sees, uh, sees what he's done you know this is again i always like to say still only as a junior this is his first full year as a starter you know he came in halfway through last season and is is you know kind of green still as a starter and, and kind of as far as playing experience and you've kind of seen where he's come now and putting himself in a situation to be a mr football finalist um so yeah he is he is he has surely come a long way in a short amount of time um, you know, you look at his numbers, I think he's, you know, I'm not a big stat guy. Everybody knows that, but he's thrown for over 3,100 yards. He has 2,000 yard receivers on, on, on our team right now, which is, uh, you know, all records for our school. Plus um, a thousand so, yard rusher. Plus a thousand yard rusher. Yeah, so that's a good thing as well. Um, so, so I'm just, you know, I'm just so proud of him, but like, I'm more proud of him. I knew just with his physical intangibles, his skill set, the things he can do, how special he is there, that he was going to grow into a great physical football player. What I'm most with him and just is just his growth as a leader and growth as a person and growth growth as a teammate. Um, he has really grown, especially through the back half of the season in that way. Um, and I think our whole staff's on board with that. With with just how he's not only conducting and running our offense, but how he is in the locker room, how he is um, with our young guys, um, and and just just starting to come out of a shell from that standpoint, and that's that's what we were waiting on, and that's really exciting to see that because to me, that's what makes a total, complete, special quarterback. There's a lot of quarterbacks across the country that can do things with their arm and feet and all that. Um, when you put that together with the leadership piece and the teammate piece, and have a guy that really cares. Um, and invest and in, in more than just him and, and, and all the accolades and the attention that he's getting. That's when you got something really unique, and he's he is trending that way, which is pretty pretty cool to see. That is Pope Prep head coach Justin Geisinger joining us on Coach Speak today as they get ready to dive into their semifinal matchup on the road at McCauley. Listen, seems like Pope Prep is going to be a force to be reckoned with in D two for years to come. So, Coach, good luck in prep this week, and best of luck on Friday night. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate you having me. Up next on the Coach Speak podcast is our weekly pick'em column. Uh, like I mentioned in the Player of the Week segment, Brady unfortunately does not have any teams playing this week, so it will only be my picks as we have a few games going on as Beach makes the quick trip to Hendersonville for Part 2 this season. White House welcomes in East Nashville for the quarterfinal round in Class 3A, and Pope Prep visits McCauley for the D2-3A semifinal round. 
Up first, we're going to do White House versus East Nashville. Um, listen, a great season for White House getting to this point, uh, facing what I think is a really talented East Nashville team. Uh, I know there were some people maybe picking Waverly to beat East Nashville in the second round. And, um, you know, their players have a ton of confidence. I, I don't remember their names, but I, I do remember seeing on social media a couple of players like quote tweeting, uh, maybe a publication picking Waverly to win, saying like, you know, kind of giving the confused face as to, you know, do these guys not know who we are, not know how good we are. And so I do think they're going to play with a ton of confidence Friday night uh, when they play White House. But that said, the Blue Devils have two 1,000-yard rushers in Rainey Blackburn and Reese McAfee. And uh, Rainey Blackburn, of course, being a finalist for Mr. Football in Class 3A. I do think it's going to be a really fun football game. Um, but that said, I am going to have to pick the White House Blue Devils to upset I think would be an upset over, over East Nashville. I'm sticking with Sumner County proud here, sticking with the Sumner County school. So I'm sticking with White House to move on to the semifinal round where they're going to have to play a really tough matchup in either Dyersburg or Cornersville. Yeah, both of these teams, you know, I hate to use a, a cliche like this, but both of these teams have really just been red hot. You know, these teams yeah. really both deserve to be here. Um, you know, I, and I don't think no matter win or lose, I don't think either team can really hang their hats after uh, this game because I think both of these teams are really good football teams. And, um, you know, it's a shame that one of their seasons is going to have to end. But um, I think I personally, I haven't, I haven't looked too much into the matchup yet. Of course, this is, I, I assume, a game that we're going to pick for our staff picks. It will uh, be. Quick, yep. quick plug for that. Um, I haven't gone too much into it yet, but, um, you know, I think initially I'd, I'd lean East Nashville um, yeah. just because of you know what I know about them. Of course, like you said, White House has some amazing players, Rain and Blackbird being one of them, a Mr. Football finalist. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean either way, like none of these teams like you you can't you can't uh, you, you can't um, be too disappointed if you're either one of these teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, White House has won 11 in a row. So I'm just thinking maybe they still got the hot hand. And I, I know East Nashville, like I said, a very talented team, very talented team that, that is uh, worthy of, of the quarterfinal matchup. But again, like I said, Blue Devils have won 11 in a row. Uh, it's going to be at East Nashville, so it's going to be tough. But I just, you know, I'm sticking with I'm sticking with Ryan Hamilton and I'm sticking with the, the blue and white this week. Moving on to our next game is Pope Prep at McCauley. Uh, Pope Prep, we just got off the phone with Justin Geisinger. You know, they're getting prepared for their program's first ever semifinal matchup against the defending state champion, Macaulay Blue Tornadoes. Listen, I mean, you know, Macaulay won pretty easily their first go around at Pope Prep. And, you know, even if I just think even if Pope Prep plays an A-plus game and Macaulay plays a, a B game, I, I don't know if there's going to be enough there for Pope Prep to get the win. I, I think just getting to this game is such a big deal for the program. I, I don't want to say they're going to get caught up in the moment or the brights, the lights will be too bright because I don't think that's going to be the case, but I do think they're, they're just going to run into a situation where the other team is just going to have a little bit more depth and a few more playmakers at certain at certain positions that's going to make the difference. So um, while I do think Pope Prep does have a good showing Friday night and congratulations for them to getting to this point, I still like McCauley to uh, walk away victorious in a big way in advance back to the state title game. Yeah, Justin mentioned to us that Macaulay's the number one team in Tennessee, and I was thinking to myself, well, you know, they're good, but I don't know if they're number one because, you know, Oakland is up there, but I went and looked at Max Preps, and wouldn't you know, they got Macaulay number one. So, I mean, you know, kind of similar to last game, you know, if if, if Pope Prep loses to Macaulay, man, like, 
there's no shit. No, the, the fact that they've gotten this far, they just beat Brentwood Academy. I mean, D2 2A is just gone right up there with you know 6A and D2 3A. Like getting at the to this point in the season is just an incredible accomplishment. So yeah, and you know you look at you look at Macaulay and they've only scored less than 31 times. That was a 28-20 win over uh, City Foe Baylor, who's also in Chattanooga. But outside of that, they're scoring 46, 38, 34, 44, 52, 38, 47, 58, 42. Clearly, they can put the ball in the end zone. And, you know, defensively is where Pope Prep has struggled at times this season. So I just wonder, you know, if they've got enough on that side of the ball to stop them. Um, and so, you know, I'm rolling with McCauley this week. And, and uh, you know, I just think that it's it's uh, a good for Pope Prep to even just be in this game. Looking at the county's final game of the week this week is the game that I will be at. That is Beach at Hendersonville, part two. These two teams played earlier this season back on September 3rd where Hendersonville walked away a 28-10 winner uh, in a game that wasn't even that close. You know, Beach got a blocked punt into the end zone to score their only touchdown of the night, but... Uh, that was a game that Hendersonville dominated from start to finish. Um, well, I, I don't know if I'll say wire to wire because I remember Beach getting the football first, and on their first play, they hit Andrew Page for like a 40-yard gain down down the left sideline. But then after that, it was it was all Hendersonville. So not not technically wire to wire, although they did you know they did lease you know. But as far as you know, Beach being able to have some big plays in the first game, there there were a couple to start. Um, I do think we will see a completely different football game this Friday night. Uh, both teams are much better than, than they were two months ago, obviously. Um, but Beach has kind of settled in on a quarterback with Jackson Ford. I just mentioned Andrew Page on the outside. Jackson Long, tight end. Uh, two players who will be playing on Saturday for high-level FBS programs. Uh, those programs are still to be determined. Uh, but listen, if, if Beach can somehow get the ball in their, their hands, I mean, they can make plays in a hurry. Aaron Jolly, their third receiver who often gets overlooked, also has over 400 yards receiving this year. So he's a big-time playmaker as well. Um, but that said, you know, Hendersonville, they, they're just clicking right now. They, they just, there's something about them. Um, Luke Manning's playing well. Torrin Baker, Ellis Ellis, Jack Busey, Noah Carmine. Their offensive and defensive lines have, have jailed even more so than they did were two months ago. And this is an upper-class led team, led unit. Um, they're just playing really, really well right now. And, and I know they only beat Gallatin 28-0 in their second-round game. Uh, but that's a rivalry that is the oldest in the county. That's that's just a game that's um, you're just gonna see some weird stuff in games like that. And, and Hendersonville shot themselves in the foot early. It could have probably maybe been 35, 42, nothing at certain points um, or at the end of the game. Excuse me. Um, so while I do think Beach is much improved and will put some points up on the board more than 10, um, I, I still think Hendersonville being at home. You know, with the chance to uh, to do something special this year. Now, this year they have been building for for quite some time now. This senior class has, and and I think they're going to realize the opportunity that's at hand, and I think they're going to take advantage of their opportunities and and look for guys like Torin Baker and Ellis Ellis to make their names known in this game. I, I think you could see both of those guys go over 100 yards of, of total offense, whether it be on the ground or through the air, what what have you. Um, but I just think Hendersonville has too many playmakers and, and gets the job done, and, and they move on 
to the semifinal round where they're going to end up hosting what I do believe is going to be the Summit Spartans. Quick word about the Buccaneers here. Obviously, I was able to uh, catch their game against Clarksville last week, as people in uh, both of our counties might know. Um, and Clarksville had that game um, within their grasp, really up at, up at halftime. Um, Clarksville led seven nothing for you know pretty much a full quarter. Um, Beach was kind of just shooting themselves in the foot quite a lot. They fumbled twice, lost two fumbles. Uh, a couple bad snaps that really ended drives. One when they were punting that really gave Clarksville a good field position. Another on a third down where the snap just kind of went over Jackson Ford's head. Um, and Anthony Crabtree was saying in the post-game huddle, um, he was telling his team, I was able to eavesdrop a little bit, uh, hear him say, uh, if we play in that first half like we did uh, against Hendersonville, we're going to be down 42 nothing at halftime. Um, but then, of course, Beach obviously was able to bounce back and... <laughs> score 45 unanswered points starting from you know kind of like a three minute left mark of the second quarter up until the end of the game so really it was like a tale of two teams uh for the buccaneers it was um it was very impressive what i saw andrew page is really one of the more dominant receivers in in the state i would say um jackson uh jackson ford looked very comfortable under center and jackson long obviously dominant on both ends of the ball um, but that said uh like you said hendersonville is just such a good football team um, there's a reason they were able to beat Beach pretty comfortably last uh, time they met. Um, but I think I do think that this game is going to be uh, much closer than the last one, uh, as long as Beach can, you know, kind of clean themselves up and avoid having uh, too many of the mistakes that they had in the first half against Clarksville. Yeah, you know, and I wonder too, you know, and I mentioned too that Hendersonville kind of shot themselves in the foot early against Gallatin. I wonder, you know, because these are 16, 17-year-old kids, I wonder mm-hmm. – if they're just looking forward to the next week, because they, uh, you know, you're probably thinking as a player, like, we're probably going to get beach next week, because, you know, obviously you've been in the situation where if you're Hendersonville, you won the first game against Gallatin pretty comfortably, uh, and you know that for beach, too, won the first game against Clarksville comfortably, so maybe you, there's a little bit of looking forward to the next week, and as you know, I mean, as you saw, I mean, a team is going to come in, and, and they're going to give you everything that they had, and that sounds like what Clarksville did, and they were kind of able to take advantage of of some beach mistakes. And I just wonder if they had more firepower. You know, obviously, if they did have more firepower, they'd be able to stay in it. But just kind of, you know, how different that game would be if, like you said, if, if they do that against Hendersonville next week. Yeah, no question. I mean, like you mentioned, Beach just has guys who are going to be playing on Saturdays. I mean, their offense looks like a college offense with uh, Jackson Ford being, I don't know how tall he is. He, he's like 6'4". He's just a sophomore, but he looks – pretty composed in there at quarterback. Andrew Page is just, you know, a physical specimen. Jackson Ford's huge. Um, you know, they, Clarksville eventually did just kind of get outmanned. You know, they were playing with some injuries. Um, they had some COVID-related guys out. Uh, <laughs> Isaac Shelby said that they got hit with some mono. So, uh, it's it, you know, yeah, they eventually did just kind of get, you know, outmanned there. Um, but, you know, the fact that they came in there and gave Beach – um, as much of a fight as they did in that first half, really just goes to show that you know you don't know what could happen. And for and two, uh, you know, just to say another counterpoint, it feels like that that guys like Andrew Page and Jackson Long could be the great equalizer because while I do think Hendersonville has some great player Ellis Ellis, a great player that I think you know if if all goes right for him, he could end up, end up at a school like a like a Memphis, right? Mm-hmm. Or but at this same time you know and i'm not going to break news on on these schools about jackson and, and andrew i just you know I, i've told those guys that i wouldn't do that um 
and just out of respect. But I mean, you know, those guys are going to end up at some nice colleges, power five, you know, true power five colleges. And, and so I wonder, it's like, you know, you've got two guys like that to maybe they're one guy and Torin Baker is a great player, but I don't think he's going to end up in a power five school. You know, how much of, of an equalizer is that for Beach? You know, could they, could they win just on that aspect alone? Absolutely. And Andrew Page, um, despite being a guy who's relatively new to football, I mean, he, 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 he looked like a grown man out there against Clarksville. He had four touchdowns. Um, one of them was a touchdown run for like 65 yards in yeah. the second half. He had a couple of long touchdown catches. I mean, you just don't see a lot of high schoolers like him. You know, he's, he's the kind of guy who will go and, you know, pick the ball right out of midair, making it look easy. I think he only had like one drop. Um, he, it, it, that's just, like you said, kind of a great equalizer type. And, you know, if Clarksville, or rather Beach, needs a uh, big play, um, that could be the guy that you go to because there's just not going to be many guys um, in the state that can reliably cover him. Yeah, so I'm very much looking forward to seeing just kind of that, that game play out on Friday. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, anytime you can get uh, star-studded talent on the field, it's it's always a good time. So, uh, like I said, I, I picked Hendersonville to win. Um, but I wouldn't be so, and I'm not, and I'm not backtracking at all. But I wouldn't be surprised if Beach won. But my official pick, I, I am going to roll with the Commandos. And that will do it for this episode of Coach Speak. Again, we want to thank all the coaches, Justin Geisinger, Anthony Crabtree, and James Beasley for joining us today to give us a little insight to their programs. Hey, it's quarterfinal Friday. We've got some uh, semifinal Friday too for for Pope Prep as they're they're around ahead. But nevertheless, we've got a chance for for some teams to move on to uh, the final four in, in public school and a team with the opportunity to move on to the state championship round. So again, thank you, co- coaches, for joining us. And it's been another fun episode of Coach Speak. It's going to be an exciting week. You've been listening to Coach Speak with Brady and Zach, the latest in high school football from Montgomery and Sumner Counties. For more on high school sports in Middle Tennessee, visit MainStreetPreps.com.